Hello there, everybody. Welcome to this episode of the Higher Ed Geek Podcast. This is episode number 85 with Vadim Revzin, uh, who is doing a lot of different uh, cool stuff, but is just a serial entrepreneur, has that uh, mindset of just uh, uh, doing a lot of cool different work, uh, and is uh, currently focused uh, on uh, School 16, which is helping enable people with uh, in-demand skills to get a really great career outcome. So um, it's an education company, and uh, he uh, founded it very recently to um, really try to meet the needs of our current pandemic and um, helping people kind of reskill for uh, in-demand jobs that uh, they can kind of get gainful employment from. Uh, and he also hosts his own podcast. He teaches uh, at NYU and um, has just done a lot of really cool different things. So we explore that journey, um, what he's geeking out about, and uh, a lot of great stuff for you to check out in the show notes for this episode. So uh, thanks so much to Vadim for his time and uh, for you for listening. Uh, but without further ado, this is episode number 85 with Vadim Revson. Cool. Well, uh, then we'll go ahead and get started. I uh, really appreciate you uh, taking some time for the podcast here. Um, and if you just want to kind of start us off as we always do, which is giving a brief introduction of yourself uh, and your professional journey of how you got to be where you are today. Yeah, absolutely. My name is Vadim Revzin. I am a professor at NYU and State University of New York. I'm also the founder of School 16, uh, which is an education company. And I host my own podcast with my twin brother called The Mentors. Um, how did I get to this path? Really backwards journey, <laughs> actually. Um, I didn't know like many people exactly what I wanted to do after college. And so I followed the path that my parents, who of course meant the best for me, uh, prescribed to me, which was, well, you're either going to be a doctor, a lawyer, or an engineer. And then I said, well, I don't really want to be any of those things. So maybe I'll just go into finance, which they were satisfied with because uh, that usually meant that you'd have a stable job. But within a few years of being in that uh, industry, I realized it's just not for me. And what I always loved about my parents and uh, is that they always supported my decisions, even though there was a lot of trepidation. I did graduate into uh, uh, the 2008 economy, which you know had its own issues. Uh, they eventually supported me. And I decided to get into startups because I wanted to be where innovation was. Mm -hmm. uh, and I've held a bunch of different roles in startups, uh, sales, product, sales engineering, uh, business development. Uh, I have uh, worked at early and growth stage startups. I had my own startup companies uh, in different industries. And eventually, uh, once I started to advise startups myself after getting a bunch of experience, I realized I really liked the education side of things. And it started with one-on-one -on -one education, you know, actually advising early stage startups at a couple of seed funds. And then it went into uh, getting opportunities to teach at the university level. Yeah, very cool. Um, so I guess I'm curious because, yeah, like you have done you know, kind of the serial entrepreneur uh, journey and like doing all these different things. Um, and if it's any just maybe like core values or people that you've met, like building your network or any of those kind of things, I'm just curious, like kind of at that core kind of stage where a lot of people are, you know, learning and growing and kind of finding themselves and all that, you know, for you in college, like, are there any experiences or any kind of anecdotes that you can uh, think of that like are still really impactful and like resonate for you uh, personally and or professionally that you'd want to share? Absolutely. So I, I transferred colleges actually with my twin brother, mm -hmm. Sergey, um, right in the middle of my college career. I went to a very small Catholic school uh, only because they gave me a scholarship and I realized that I was constrained there. It, it almost felt like I was in a bubble and I didn't have access to the world. That's the best way I can explain that feeling. Uh, a good school, but not for me. And so I decided I wanted to go to a business school. That's when I started getting excited about 
entrepreneurialism. I, that I didn't really even probably use that word, but I knew that I wanted to be in that environment. And I ended up getting into a business school. And literally within the first week of being in that school, I noticed a big difference. Uh, and the biggest difference was uh, half of my roommates had their own businesses. One of them was actually running a company that was covering all of his college tuition. Uh, so he was making significant revenue already in college and he had started in high school. Uh, there was a huge international student community within the university. So people coming from all sorts of various backgrounds where I was used to a more homogenous uh, sort of experience and surrounding. And those people came from various you know, industries as well, I should say their families did. And so they had a lot of exposure to different industries different businesses, different ways of life. Uh, and a lot of those people were starting companies as well. And the mentality shifted right away, not only because of the classes I'd be now taking at this business school, but probably more so because of the people that I was surrounded by. And I began, became, or I went into the mode of, I need to start my own thing right away. And that's actually when I started my own, uh, my first company. It failed horribly, but uh, but I started my first business in college. Yeah, interesting. Yeah, so I guess yeah, kind of being inspired by others, getting that seed planted for that sort of that, um, I don't know, I guess, because like, I guess like, you know, so many people do kind of maybe wish to do that, or, you know, they kind of um, have these ideas that maybe they don't pursue. But if you kind of had that catalyst that just really helped you, um, which it seems like partially was just like seeing other people be able to do it. So it doesn't seem kind of so uh, kind of mystical and kind of uh, elusive. Um, so yeah, that's really, really interesting. Yeah. yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, there's kind of two schools of thought. Either you're born entrepreneurial or you're not. Uh, I was lucky enough to, uh, I, I think maybe I was born with a gene, but I was also uh, lucky enough to grow up in a family that placed values on experimenting, placed values on getting outside your comfort zone, everything that's important if you want to start your own business. And so that was a, a, a burning desire inside of me that I couldn't uh, ignore. As children, we want to experiment. We want to try new things. We're curious about the world. And in some ways, the education system fails us a little bit in that uh, scenario because we're put on a very different path. We're typically put on a path that is designed to, in some ways, expose you to different uh, skills, possibly, or or different um, environments, but in many ways to set you up for a stable career, to set you up to uh, be a good contributor to you know organizations, let's say. Uh, and that uh, kind of goes against against, I think, a lot of our nature. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, well, uh, now I'm, I'm interested, I guess, yeah, we'll kind of transition to um, what you're currently doing now. So I think kind of, I guess, the first and foremost, and we'll, I think, get to some of the other stuff too, like uh, your podcast and uh, your teaching and all that, but kind of first and foremost, uh, School 16, I know, is what uh, you're spending a lot of your time on uh, right now, in addition to those other things. So um, I guess just kind of giving a little bit more context of that of maybe just how it started and, um, you know, what you do and uh, kind of just like what you enjoy most about it. And then we'll kind of get to some of the other stuff that you're doing. Yeah, definitely. Um, so School 16 originally started uh, as a way for me to formalize how I help entrepreneurs. Uh, because I, again, had been advising and I had been a mentor to a bunch of early stage startups, but I wanted to create some more formal programs, similar to what I had created for the classes that I teach uh, at the university level, but making it available to a broader set of population, right? Because not everybody can afford to get into a great college or university. And also mm -hmm. there's a lot of adult learners out there for whom that's just not a viable uh, step, but they may be thinking, okay, the next step in my career is I want to start my own thing. So I wanted to create a resource for them. And that was the driving force. 
but of course, uh, in, in lieu of recent events, I actually started to kind of shift my thinking around this a little bit. And what I saw uh, a need around, even from the early stage entrepreneurs that I was talking to, is that feeling of security uh, that we talked about before. I mean, if you want to start your own business, you have to feel like you're on a good footing. A lot of people, that's why they do it on while they have full-time jobs. Uh, people don't know, for example, that Phil Knight, the founder of Nike, he actually worked on Nike on the side for uh, over a decade mm. while being an accountant uh, until he actually committed to it full time, full time. You know, he had staff and everything, but he didn't transition full time until he was comfortable. And so people do need to feel comfortable in order to start their own thing, in order to commit those resources on the side. And so I realize that right now, especially as we're seeing the unemployment rates rise to a level that we don't know where it will go to and to an unprecedented level, uh, I realize that there's a more of a need right now than ever for people to build their skills, develop their skills to be more marketable in the job market. Uh, and a lot of people that want to maybe even start their own companies or not, you know, they don't have the opportunity like you and I do to sit in front of a computer and do our work every day. They don't necessarily have that flexibility. And and that light bulb went off for me just a few weeks ago. And I decided the what I want to do is I want to provide people with the uh, with whatever value I could give them. And because I've changed my career so many times and because I was able to transition into tech, w which is an industry that is historically much more flexible and more resilient as well. Of course, people are still losing jobs in tech right now too, but it is one of those industries that will come back first. I decided to uh, create School 16 for that. And and right now, um, sort of the first version of the program is completely free because we don't want to have any friction for anybody that wants to learn. And we're offering free uh, live online classes with people from different roles in tech talking about exactly uh, what skills you need to develop to get those roles and what skills are in high demand. And, you know, what's most rewarding for me there is uh, when a student or, or a participant uh, when you see that aha moment for them, when a light bulb goes off, when they get some more clarity in what they want to do with their life, because we're all trying to do our best. We're all trying to plan a path, but ultimately you can't plan everything. And But understanding what you're good at, understanding what you can get good at and what might be fulfilling for you uh, can be really helpful in helping set the trajectory. And, and that's really rewarding for me to see uh, when I'm working with students. Yeah, yeah, that's really awesome. And I guess, yeah, it's kind of this like nexus of, you know, you do like uh, teach at NYU, so like maybe bringing in the skills that you've garnered there and your experience and just seeing like, where is there uh, just sort of this need and this gap uh, right now? Because I think that absolutely is, uh, you know, just a crucial little uh, kind of ingredient here is sort of that security and, you know, having that kind of firm foundation to then uh, kind of venture out and pursue any other sort of um you know, uh, endeavor that people, you know, and again, a company they might want to start. Um, so I think it's really good to, um, and I like that word resiliency, kind of build the skills that are very resilient in terms of these, uh, you know, tumultuous times that we're in of like stuff that's going to be uh, really valuable. And obviously just the world is increasingly um, augmented and facilitated through various technologies and stuff like that. So just, yeah, like building those skills, building that awareness and those things will just serve people well, uh, any which way that they, I guess, you know, decide to go. Like, it's not, it's not super limited. Cause I think like, it makes me think of like, it's, it feels like a, I don't know what the right word is, but just like a more kind of democratic or more open than like a coding boot camp. Cause I feel like that's kind of just like, well, you're going for a very particular type of role if you're going through something like that. Um, and this feels a little bit more 
broad, I guess, which could be very good, I think. Yeah, exactly. I mean, look, if 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 you know you want to be a coder, that there's that's a no-brainer. There's some very specific hard skills that you need to develop. Even then, I think some programs are better than others. For example, in in letting you know what you need to do to be prepared for those types of conversations. You're still going to be a junior engineer. You're still going to be competing for roles against other software engineers. You know, I think for a lot of people, though, they they don't know necessarily what they want. And of course, uh, the the vision for the program that I'm creating is also to give them the hard skills and soft skills that they need in specific verticals. But the first step is awareness. And I think, you know, we talked about entrepreneurialism a little bit earlier in the conversation, but it, it actually has a lot to do not only with higher education, but with how people uh, navigate their careers, I think, in, in this sort of version of the life we're living now, right? I, I believe truly that you need to be much more entrepreneurial entrepreneurial about how they navigate their careers, about how they find opportunities, um, which means building your network in the right way, which means adjusting your narrative to make sure that it fits the story that you want to create for yourself, which means developing skills in any way possible, even if that means on your own free time or working for somebody for free, so that you can then become marketable for the various industries uh, that are being created right now as we speak for the various positions and jobs that aren't even invented yet uh, because there's a lot of innovation continuing to happen at a much more rapid pace. And if you position yourself to have skills that can transfer across different industries, sectors and roles, you're going to hedge against the risk of uh, potentially losing your job down the line. Hmm. Yeah, for sure. Um, well, I guess really briefly, like if you want to talk about um, just both the um, – you know, the teaching that you do at NYU and the podcast, because I feel like for sure, you know, you know you're teaching about entrepreneurship and your uh, podcast just is, seems to me like just a great kind of uh, content creation kind of endeavor for you in terms of just talking about all this stuff, giving really great examples, doing these interviews and all that kind of stuff. So it's all sort of in the same space. But anything I guess you'd want to share just in terms about those things that you're currently doing as well and what kind of what they give you and how this sort of, you know, the diversity of uh, kind of different uh, uh, positions that you have, how they all kind of uh, fit together, I guess, for you, maybe kind of feed off each, feed yeah. off of each other. <laughs> yeah, absolutely, Dustin. So, you know, the, the very first thing that, that I did, I started to network and I started to meet people. And if you actually think about what we talked about earlier, which is uh, when I transferred schools in, in my college career, it was the same path. I, I started exposing myself to new people. And uh, whenever I get stuck in life, whenever I feel like there's no forward motion, I what, what I do personally is I reach out or reach back out to people that I've been out of touch with, or I reach out to a bunch of new people that I want to build relationships with, and I just start setting up meetings. You have to think about the goal for those meetings, of course, but I just want to start talking to people to kind of reawaken and reinvigorate myself, but also to get more awareness. And uh, that was the initial goal with the podcast is, uh, you know, I was working with a lot of early stage entrepreneurs. I was giving similar feedback to them and I decided that the best way for me to continue to learn is to learn from other entrepreneurs, other successful leaders and experts. So why not create a medium where you get to talk to them on a consistent basis and learn from them? And I called the show The Mentors, but what ended up happening inadvertently is all those guests that I have on my show, and I'm sure you have a similar experiences, they became mentors to me, like micro-mentors, uh -huh. where every week that I was interviewing somebody that did something interesting or tried something that I never even thought of trying, it created awareness within me that I didn't have before. And when you have that awareness, that's when you get ideas. 
ideas on businesses you can start, ideas on uh, what career path you might take, ideas on creative endeavors like writing a book or or what have you, right? Um, and so I think the thread that's common across all these things is I'm constantly exposing myself to new people, partly because they have insight and they're, they have an outlook on life that I simply cannot because I'm a different human. And that's something that's priceless to me is, is that interaction that I get to have uh, and those nuggets of information that I get to pull out of people uh, to see how they look at the world and to hopefully inform how I'll continue to look at the world. Because, you know, that that type of outlook constantly changes for every single person. Yeah, definitely. The the networking component of uh, podcasting is just an amazing uh, aspect of it where it's just like, I know I at least get something out of it. And just because of that, I know other people get something out of the conversations. But yeah, certainly just, um, you know, learning from other great people and keeping those, uh, you know, creating those connections and keeping them going even after, you know, recording is really cool. So but yeah, I guess we'll then just go um, in terms of, you know, all these things that you're doing. Um, you know, it's always the question I love to ask of just like, what are you geeking out about if there's things that are, you know, really grabbing your attention of like things that you're reading or watching or listening to, or just sort of, you know, hobbies that you have that you are kind of like personally meaningful for you, you know, we can kind of uh, keep it pretty open ended there in whatever way, I guess, sort of uh, resonates for you. Yeah, you know, because I've been doing the podcast now for a few years, and uh, part of, as you know, with with doing your own podcast, aside from finding guests, is is also making sure that you're uh, staying in tune with what who your audience is and how you can find more of them, right? And so, over the last few years, uh, I realized that I need to be a marketer, and and I started to geek out on marketing, actually, which is a, a pretty new discipline for me. Um, I also started to geek out on writing. So, you know, I write for a couple of publications. And before, I remember even growing up, I never thought of myself as a writer. I wasn't born in this country. I, I, I didn't learn English until I was about nine years old. And, and uh, of course, you, you doubt yourself during those times. And when kids were writing essays in schools, I always thought, oh, I'm, I'm never going to be a writer. That's just not me. I'm never going to get good at it. And that's just a label that I gave myself. I'm not a writer. I'm not a marketer, what have you. But then I, I've had to step into these roles uh, in the last few years, and I realized they're deeply fulfilling in a lot of ways. So, um, so I started to geek out on these things, and 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 I realized that you can absolutely reshape how you think about yourself, and we should always be thinking in those terms. Uh, in terms of hobbies, I was always a musician, uh, and that's actually part of the reason why getting into podcasting was so easy for me is because I already had all the recording equipment. Mm. Um, I already knew how to use recording software, so it was literally a, a, a point of just hitting record in a different context. Uh, and so music is something that I still spend time on, uh, trying to get a little bit better at the guitar. You know, I've been taking guitar lessons since high school and piano and the like. Um, I would say that's probably aside from my own entrepreneurial endeavors, which take up most of my time, uh, that that's probably my biggest hobby. Uh, and in terms of reading and the like, you know, when I was younger and I was trying to progress in my career, and even though that's still obviously, I'm sure, a, a large goal of mine and I'm sure a large goal for everybody as they go through life, um, I was consuming a lot of nonfiction because I thought, well, if you're going to be spending your time reading, you need to be learning. Uh, and for some reason, I told myself that nonfiction is the best way to learn. And it is, of course, a, a, an effective way to learn, uh, to learn from other people that can package information in that way that is effective uh, for you around particular topics like business philosophy, psychology, and the like. Uh, but I also realized uh, in the last several years that I, not only do I really enjoy reading fiction, uh, you know, with, with fiction, uh, writers are able to be a lot more creative. They can create their own worlds. And that actually can, again, enhance how you think 
enhance how you look at the world as well. So in terms of reading, I've been uh, I've been actually exclusively reading fiction. Uh, I would say for the last the last at least the last six months, uh, just because I, I find a lot of enjoyment from that. Oh, very cool. Um, yeah, it's interesting to hear because I feel like that's come up a little bit. Um, with uh, a couple of past guests is just sort of that negotiation between um, exclusively reading nonfiction and just sort of these like leadership books and, you know, all that stuff, which I think certainly have their place, but um, trying to get a little bit of a diversity in your diet. Cause I think it's just like, if people are, you know, um, you know, watching things like documentaries are kind of the nonfiction and it's like, it's good to have those and a little bit of just like, you know, uh, fun entertainment or different things. Cause yeah, there certainly can still be a lot of, uh, you know, learning and uh, things happening with whatever it is that you're uh, consuming. So, yeah, yeah, exactly. And, uh, you know, I, actually I shouldn't, I, I want to correct myself. I shouldn't say exclusively reading fiction. I, I just started reading talking to strangers with, uh, for, by Malcolm Gladwell, his new book, and I'm really enjoying it. And part of the reason why I want to correct myself is you don't have to exclusively do anything <laughs> if you don't want to actually. Um, I don't know if you know, Naval, uh, he's uh, the founder of angel list. Uh, he uh, has his own podcast as well. A really prolific thinker. Uh, one of the things he kind of opened up my eyes to is there's so many books out there. There's so much content out there to consume uh, that can have value to your life. You don't have to finish whatever book you're on, even though maybe growing up we're kind of taught that we should. And so that's another thing. If you like fiction, great. If you like nonfiction, great. Whatever is adding value to you right now uh, is is what you should be uh, you should be doing and spending your time on. Right. Yeah, that, that happens for me a lot with um... – because I definitely like watch a lot more like TV shows and stuff like that. So like, there's kind of that yeah like that sunken cost uh, sort of theory. It's like, well, I've already you know watched two seasons. There's three more seasons. I should just like keep on going or whatever you know. Mm-hmm. But it's like, are you like, do you enjoy watching this show? Like, just like go do something else. Like, don't like torture yourself like watching multiple 22 episode seasons of a show. Where you're just like, well, I don't know. It's fine. <laughs> you know, uh, it's like same goes for like a book. It's like you know, if you feel like you're getting something out of it, you know, keep with it. But if it's not, you know. Uh, hitting for you and I guess that that's also the idea of like you know trying to just get books like cheaply or you know going to your library and those sort of things it's like yeah you know do something like kind of low commitment and you know you can uh, sort of pick and choose if you're going to just maybe like skim through something or maybe skip ahead to things that seem relevant or just like put it down if it doesn't you know uh, help but um, because that's the idea like you can kind of like hop around and get a lot of different uh, points of view yeah whether they're nonfiction or fiction so yeah, exactly. I mean, I mean, look, at the same time right now, for example, a lot of people are raving about Tiger King, right? Uh, because we're all at home and there's nothing to do. And, and they're watching these these random shows and this one hit popularity. But guess what? I mean, maybe I haven't seen the show, so I'm not going to judge it either way. But what I do know is it's creating a lot of conversation. It's giving people an excuse to maybe talk a, about this topic with people they haven't talked to in a while, right? Or, or develop a bond with someone over this topic. And, and that's highly valuable as well so if you feel like watching those 22 episodes um you know because you get to discuss it with your family afterwards or your friends and it sparks conversation uh that then changes it to something else I, that sounds like pretty valuable to me as well mm-hmm. yeah for sure yeah so, i'm kind of wondering if people would have watched that if we, like they weren't just like stuck at home but um <laughs> that's the other thing too like something like that you're like oh i gotta watch it because everybody else is when you start it and you're like i don't like this it's like i you, you don't have to watch it you don't have to do anything like right. you don't have to do anything you don't want to 
so far I've refrained. Yeah. So I'm I'm staying. And strong. it's like it'll be there, you know. Like whenever you want to, if you want to watch something else right now, go. For, you know, then Tiger King will be there. Um, <laughs> but uh, well, I guess then on that, like anything um, specific that you'd really want to like recommend, maybe some like kind of go to classics for you, or you know, you mentioned you know we'll link out to that uh, the uh, you know it's his like most recent work, uh, Malcolm Gladwell's book uh, Talking to Strangers. But um, anything else that uh, yeah, like I said, you're uh, consuming right now that you'd want to give kind of a specific uh, tip of the hat to or some go-to classics that you want to make sure to give a shout out to uh sure I, i'll i'll focus on the latter um i don't know if they're classics they're classics for me and whenever somebody asks me for book recommendations i, I list these three books because if you haven't read those i feel like uh, they can be incredibly valuable uh one i'm sure you've heard of, uh, of almost all of them one is uh, how to win friends and influence people by dale carnegie uh, that completely shifted my thinking when I first read it in my early 20s about how to uh, think about human relationships uh, and how to put others first uh, and and other how others uh, what others care about first uh, in furthering relationships. It's incredibly uh, eye opening and it's also one of those books that you can pick up anytime. I've reread different parts of it. Uh, several times in my life and you could read it piecemeal. You can start right in the middle of the book and, and it's, it still makes sense. So I definitely recommend, recommend that book. Uh, another book that was uh, critical for me to read just because I'm, I'm, I love entrepreneurial stories is Richard Branson's uh, first book, Losing My Virginity. And his story is just so incredible. He's one of those people, if you're interested in entrepreneurship, uh, his, he's one of those people that just from a very young age, uh, you know, he was about 17 years old when he started working on his first venture and he closed deals, advertising deals for a student magazine with Coke and Pepsi, uh, something that no 17 year old now even does, let alone back then. Uh, so his whole story and trajectory is just incredibly inspiring. Uh, and, and if you want something that'll uh, motivate you to act on something, that that's a great book to read. And it's just also fun. He's kind of like James Bond. <laughs> um and then the most recent book that I read that was incredibly impactful to me was Viktor Frankl's Man's Search for Meaning. Have you read that book? I have not. I encourage you to pick it up. Um, actually, maybe I would I would say hold off just because the first half of the book is it takes place in uh, concentration camps in Germany, and it's pretty pretty depressing, obviously. And so right now, if if you're finding it difficult because we're all in kind of an isolation. Um, then, then maybe it's going to be obviously uh, a bit negative for you. But uh, that book really uh, helped me think about what humans are capable of in extreme duress and extremely difficult times. And and half the book is is a very short book, so you can read it literally in a couple of days. Uh, but half the book is about how he got through those times um, in concentration camps because of a North Star that he had, uh, which which I won't spoil, but basically something that had deep meaning for him. Uh, and then the next half of the book talks about logotherapy and, and his, Viktor Frankl's version of, of um, therapy that he provided to people to get uh, through incredibly difficult moments. So actually, in some ways, maybe the book is timely to read right now, but but be ready to, to, to read th some difficult passages uh, but again, another one of these books that kind of put things in perspective for me personally, and I now recommend to almost everybody. But I do give that disclaimer that, uh, you know, you, you do have to get through some difficult chapters in that book, but it is incredibly, uh, it's definitely worth it. Good disclaimer, because I think, yeah, just like if you're reading it right now, like, you know, kind of uh, tread carefully, I guess, or just like, maybe not also like the best like beach read or something. Like, it's not like, like, it's pretty deep, but like very meaningful. So it's like, that feels like a good uh 
you know, cozying up next to like a your fireplace kind of book or something where you're just like, nothing else is going on. I just want to like plug in and think <laughs> about nothing else for, you know, other than what this book is telling me. Um, so, uh, yeah, that's a good one. I feel I'll just add it to my wish list because uh, I, I always just like yeah. people do it. It's like I'm going to put it on there because then I'm like, hey, I need a new book, and I have all these ones just kind of sitting waiting for me. Um, so yeah, that that is a good one to prioritize. I actually read it on the beach. Really? Oh, okay. <laughs> um, yeah. I just think because it like doesn't well. seem like a light boat where you're just like, oh, it's like you know the waves or whatever. But if it's like, hey, if you're just wanting to sit and read, I'm sure that's going to be very you know captivating. Um, <laughs> I, I think I needed that juxtaposition, you know, to to have the beach in front of me. That's like a nice, refreshing, wow, life is worth living type of thing. And then uh, and also have this book with me that actually had a very similar message just through a very different lens. But uh, but I don't know. <laughs> that worked for me. That setting worked for me. But I'm sure sitting in front of your fireplace or um, in your reading nook, it can be a good place as well. Um, yeah, that's funny. Because <laughs> I guess because I just a lot of people I know, they like, just go for like like a trashy magazine or something when you're at the beach or whatever. But it could also be like. Yeah, if you're in this sort of like relaxed, you know, sort of like peaceful beach or whatever, you know, and you're just very at ease and it's like, okay, yeah, I'm just going to relax. Because I think for me, like, it's always hard reading like, you know, really dense books because my brain is just always like thinking of things or whatever. Like, it's hard for it to just like slow down and sit with a book. Um, So I do like the ones that are like shorter or kind of like pretty, you know, kind of, um, I don't like the chapters are maybe like short because they're just sort of like brief little um uh, essays or you know vignettes or something you know so sometimes it's just like i can just like pick it up put it down kind of thing um oh yeah so. well that's a, that's why i think with some books actually audiobook format mm-hmm. is really um i do both i mean i i read physical books i read ebooks and and i listen to audiobooks sometimes too uh and it's a good way to mix it up i think some books are actually meant to be consumed through audio format um, like literally listening to the narrator is, is, is a better way to, to, to read that book than to read it yourself. Uh, I know I read the, this, this, uh, this book Ender's Game that was actually made for audio first. Uh, a lot of people don't know, and eventually it got turned into a movie. Um, uh, and so, yeah, there's, there's, there's just certain books that, uh, that I think should be listened to audio. So don't feel guilty if you want to listen to the book as well. Yeah. That's so weird thing for me. As much as I love podcasts and listen to so many, I have not broken into audiobooks, but I feel like it's just a matter of time. Um, well, again, that's a subject I guess too. I've just like, you know, you mentioned all these kind of, kind of go to books and everything, anything else just like that you listen to, like any other podcasts or um, anything else, I guess, uh, like that you'd want to kind of give a tip of the hat to that we can include before we uh, wrap up. Yeah, absolutely. So I think right now we all need some something lighthearted. And I actually started listening to Armchair Expert with Dax Shepard um, actually about a year ago now, I think. And I think that's a that's a really cool uh, podcast because he sits down with some awesome guests and, and has a very refreshing, lightweight conversation, but also gets serious a lot of times. And so you get to hear a lot about a lot of people's backgrounds that you wouldn't have otherwise and kind of be a fly on the wall. I think that's a cool a uh, lightweight podcast. I personally listen to the Daily, the New York Times podcast, uh, a lot of days. Uh, I will say though, be ready now for it to be a pretty, uh, a pretty sad listen every day. So it's one of those things. Actually, I, I, I would say listen to it if you want to get informed, uh, because I feel like they try to have relatively objective conversations, uh, but also do limit your intake with some of the stuff like the news today anyways, uh, just because if you if you overload on that stuff, then uh, you can kind of get tunnel vision. And then um, if I really want to nerd out, I listen to Econ Talk, 
uh, which uh, I don't know if you've heard. It's with, um, I believe, Russ Roberts is, is the guy. And he gets into some deep uh, sort of conversations about, I guess, some of them are psychological. Uh, some of them are a little bit more with a bent on um, sort of human nature and society and how they function. And uh, if you want to get something that's highly academic, you know, I, yes, I'm a professor, but I, I would say I'm kind of the uh, I'm not what you I, I was a practitioner first and became a professor later. So right. I, I'm by no means an academic. And sometimes I like to hear from other academics just to just to hear how they think and how maybe I was supposed to be, <laughs> but but didn't end up being. Um, yeah, because I think uh, the most I get into sort of like that econ if it's just sort of like, you know, um, because I think that of like very deep philosophical and yeah, like psychological things in terms of, uh, you know, how people kind of live and do all these things. Like I listened to uh, Planet Money, which is a very pretty quick and lighthearted look at, uh, you know, things in the economy. I think, you know, it's a very, um, it's very thoughtful. Like it, it gives a good context for things that are happening, but um, done with a, it's a lighter tone, but um yeah, because I think that it is, I think, probably tough for some people yeah, to kind of break into a very, like, wonky or, you know, very academic, uh, research-driven uh, point of view of this kind of, like, um, I don't know, overly so. All, all things in moderation, you know. <laughs> um, so, uh yeah, I agree. I mean, look, I, actually, the, the the econ talk one that I mentioned, he, I think he tries to make it as relatable as possible. I've listened to other podcasts where... You know, sometimes the host does a good does a good job of that. Sometimes it just depends on the guest, uh, and sometimes I just turn it off, right? I mean, if it gets to be a little bit too much, maybe I'll listen to the part of the podcast or whatever the content is that's interesting or valuable to me, and then I switch to something else. But I would say nowadays my go tos are I try to keep the audio content. Uh, since I'm not really commuting at all anymore, um, uh, I'm really only listening to it when I cook, for example, or I'm cleaning. Uh, I try to keep it lightweight. So armchair experts been my go-to. Mm. Yeah. Um, but I think yeah, that's probably the biggest like moral of this episode is sort of like, Hey, if it's not like bringing you joy, if it's not valuable or relevant to you, like you don't have to listen, just put it down, like turn it off, whatever, you know, cause that, that's like definitely just like a mental health thing. Cause if you're like, no, I have to keep listening to this really long podcast about a thing that I'm like not interested in, or is like confusing me and I'm getting like, you know, worked up or whatever. Um, or just, yeah, like spending time on a book that you're not interested in and then you don't have time for other stuff that you might want to do or whatever. So I think it's a really good, yes. really good lesson, you know, it's a good, good takeaway for people. So, uh, oh, exactly. No, you should try to, well, I, I just used the word should, but what I was going to say is you should, uh, it's, it's more helpful if you try to remove the, your should thinking and, uh, or at the very least translate into, uh, want thinking. Uh, and that's difficult for a lot of people to do because we constantly guilt trip ourselves over things. Uh, but yes, in terms of your mental health, if you could try to translate that into, into, from should think into, into something else, it's just going to be a lot easier on you. Um, and, uh, it'll help you look at things through a different lens. You might still be looking at the same thing or the same fact, like the same goal that you need to accomplish, for example, but think about it from the perspective of how do I, why do I want to do this as opposed to why should I do this? And oftentimes it'll help you figure out the next step that you need to take. Yeah. Yeah, that's great. That's a good thing. And again, yeah, certainly uh, kind of not expecting perfection from uh, yourself or anybody else. It's like, yeah, you like, caught yourself kind of, you know, just like saying it of like, you know, uh, those sort of things. But yeah, I can help you, I guess, figure out uh, where best to, uh, you know, if you're making a decision of where to put your energy, you can, you know, uh, do that in a uh, more thoughtful way. But also like for me, I, I kind of a similar sort of thing is like, like you said, like you could be 
examining a thing that you have to do, but it is thinking about it rather like as an opportunity versus an obligation where it's like, you know, if you have to do a thing and you're like, oh, you know, it's like an obligation or whatever. It's like, no, this isn't like an opportunity for me to spend time with my family and have some like, you know, quality time and, you know, all those sort of things and bond um, versus that being just sort of this like obligation. You're sort of, you know, dragging your feet or whatever. So it's, you know, uh, like I want to do this. This is like an opportunity. This is great, you know. Um, so maybe maybe think of that. Yeah. I kind of like, you know, try to put that in my head sometimes. So. Oh, no, absolutely. And one thing that recently I've been doing is to speak to a little bit on the obligation side of things is I realized that if I have an obligation, it's usually because I created it for myself. There was some kind of action that I did in the past that set myself up to have this obligation. And if I talked to my past self, I would have wanted that obligation, right? That's not always the case, of course, but uh, but usually it's something that I was working towards anyways. So, you know, remember to try to be in the present and, and you know, realize that this is something you were working towards anyways, most likely. Uh, and so the best way to get through it is to be present and to uh, and to and to just do the work or to actually get through the obligation. I just read the book. One more book I'll mention is The Power of Now by Eckhart Tolle, and I think that's a great. Uh, that's actually another one that I'm I'm gonna uh, I'm glad that we're I'm leaving on uh, is because it really helps you think about how to get the most out of the present moment and try not to live in the past or in the in the pursuit of the future too much. Uh, so The Power of Now actually is is something that is nonfiction that I read relatively recently, and uh, it definitely shifted my thinking as well. Uh, but it speaks to what we were just talking about in, in a good way. Yeah, and I think that is uh, actually just, uh, you know, for the sake of time, and just a, uh, it's a beautiful place to end the episode, is uh, like a great uh, sort of package of different ways to kind of, uh, um, I don't know, just come at each day and be able to um, just be really uh, thoughtful and intentional and uh, really present with uh, the decisions that you make and sort of like the things that you have to do and all that. So um, I really like that. So um, thank you so much for all that you shared and all the uh, good stuff that we'll be having in the show notes for this episode and um, we'll have ways to connect with you uh, as well. So um, yeah, again, thank you so much for your time and uh, uh, yeah, just best of luck with everything. Yeah, Dustin, I really appreciate it. Thank you uh, for having me on the show. I think, uh, you know, it's, it's it's great to be able to have a conversation like this. Um, and so I'm looking forward to being a, a, a listener of your podcast. Uh, and I'll just add really quickly in the end here, if uh, if people do want to uh, reach me and you're listening right now, it sounds like it's going to be in the show notes, but uh, school16.co.co or thementors.co. I love those CO domains. <laughs> um, is And uh, my email is really easy to guess. It's just my first name at that your, those URLs. Perfect. Yeah, we'll have all that just uh, in case people <laughs> if they don't have to jot it down. We'll have those uh, absolutely in the show notes. And um, yeah, just thank you so much for making yourself available and doing all the work that you're doing. And um, yeah, really great to talk to you. So uh, yeah, just have a good rest of your day. Absolutely. You too. Thank you. Thanks for listening to this episode of the podcast. Make sure to rate, review, and subscribe so you never miss an episode. Thanks again for listening, and we'll see you in the next episode of the Higher Ed Geek Podcast.